0: Well, hello, everybody. It's the Reanimated Podcast, welcome. This is uh, a unique uh, intro because we are, for the first time maybe, in three different time zones. I'm gonna go chronologically and welcome a co-host, H.A. Conrad from the East Coast in New York. How are ya?
1: Hello, hello. I'm welcome.
0: good. Great. I am Stuart, I'm your other co-host, and I am in California. And for the first time we have gone tri-coastal. I'm not sure if Hawaii co- counts as a coast, but Kyle Diaz is coming at us from the Big Island or the White Lotus? Where are you? I'm on Kauai, so if you hear uh, some
2: roosters going off in the background d- during my recording, I'm sorry, because they're all over the place down here. But I think Hawaii is like the ultimate coast. There's, there's coast in literally every direction.
1: Oh, you're so sorry. You're you're broadcasting from Hawaii. Nice. <laughs> oh those are just roosters going off in the background never mind me never, over here never mind Being also is, paradise
0: is this how you describe roosters crowing as going off they're like car yeah, alarms
2: sounds yeah, like they're going arms. off you know it's it's unexpected
0: fair enough well uh welcome i'm glad that we could get this podcast together and kyle really uh, special guest mm-hmm. status uh elevated today with uh, calling in from hawaii well done um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't miss the chance to talk about the episode we're going to talk about today. <laughs> it's true, it was a doozy. A lot of people have been flipping out about it since last Sunday. Um, and so, before we can get to that, though, we have a little bit, a little bit of news. Um, and the first one is quite somber, which was that, like a day after the last episode aired, Annie Worshing, who the actor who played Tess, did the voice act. Voice acting and motion capture for Tess in the game. Uh, passed away from cancer, age 45, tragic, uh, lost too early. She has a long list of other projects that she's worked on, including 24. And a lot of people were uh, sharing their feelings about it on Twitter last week. Um, so, and I, I'd mentioned her name because folks on Reddit had been wondering why she wasn't up for playing Tess in te- instead of Anatorv
1: when they talked to uh, Druckmann and some other people about it, they were pretty um, sort of general, which I think they were probably trying to protect her privacy. But my guess is, is that they did, they probably did want her to get involved and she just wasn't able to. So really, really sad. Um, And I, you know, she was uh, like Picard, like that was, she was incredible in that as well. So I, I just, it's really just a huge loss, but. Um, I'm glad that they at least dedicated, uh, I think it was, was it this episode or the last episode to her?
0: I'm not sure when they put up that dedicated to Annie and photo on this episode, but I feel like she died the day after it aired. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't think I saw that when I watched it.
1: Yeah. So anyway, uh, very sad about that. And um, I will say, I think that, uh, you know, Anna Torv honored the character. So that was at least, good but it was definitely uh and and speaking of heart-wrenching episodes this one was very heart-wrenching at least for me um so we'll get into that but before we do that uh, a couple of lighter lighter notes um i don't think this is shocking um stewart but the av club has a list of the next like 24 rom-com stars and there's quite a few walking dead alum in there um you know i i I don't it's kind of funny because i think um, you know, there's some obvious choices, but it's just sort of like, okay, what do you do after Walking Dead? You become a rom com star. I think well, they're just, well, I think they're just hopeful, but like, I, I, I definitely like some of their choices in here.
0: Yeah, it's it's not a short list. There's 25, no. 24 people on this list, and only I'd say two of them are for sure Walking Dead alumni. But there's a lot of you know very recognizable faces and names on this list too, including Ariana Grande. I guess she she's acted now, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the two from Walking Dead were uh, Tyler James William, who is probably best known now for Abbott Elementary. He's won an Emmy, I assume. Uh, but he was Noah on The Walking Dead. And Stephen Yoon, our favorite, our uh, long lost Stephen Yoon. I, I wonder what he's up to. I, haven't, I feel like I haven't seen him in a minute. So
1: I haven't seen him in a while and I and I would like to see him again. I really love him. So I hope he. Hope he makes uh hope he has like, it's one of those things where he has like 10 different projects and they all come out at once. Yeah. So.
2: It's kind of funny because uh, he's actually been in quite a few things that I've seen recently. I think he's been kind of still putting in the work. Uh He was excellent in Nope. Yeah, it was a small part, but a very memorable one.
0: Oh, that's right. He has a cowboy hat. I haven't he seen it. He does him. have a cowboy hat. And he, and it's he's awesome.
1: He's also the one of the voices in Invincible. Um, yes. So that's. You know, maybe not live action, but that's certainly getting a lot of play. So, you know. Uh, and
2: then he was excellent in a, a film that came out in, I think, 2019 called Minari. Right. Which yeah. was... Which was uh, they got nominated. Was he, I yes. can't remember if, he was, yes, if he was nominated, but I think the movie itself got a lot of acc- acclaim and maybe a, a, a Oscar nomination. So it, it was a really good uh, coming-of-age right. story. And also,
1: he was uh, I think he was one of the executive producers for that one, too. I'm almost positive. So.
0: Well, I, I mean, <laughs> he's been putting in the work. I don't yeah. know that rom com is definitely is necessarily where his career needs to take him, but it would put him in front of more eyeballs than, um, than you know, like art house stuff or horror, I guess. So, and Stephen You needs to be in front of more eyeballs. That's my Agreed. take.
1: Agreed. But let's let's be hopeful on that. Um, and uh, last but not least, there is. Um, an upcoming scripted zombie podcast coming up uh that bloody disgusting is partnering with the george romero foundation to do so uh, that's
0: right and it's going to be called the dead um and so it'll join we're alive in the we're uh in the we in the uh scripted po- uh, zombie podcast world i'm sure that there are others but those are the, actually there are definitely others every so every so often when i do a zombie podcast search i see other ones that are like this is, this is the world that we're, that we're uh, describing. So um, that'll be interesting to listen to. Uh, Give it, give it a shot. I don't know when it's actually coming out, but um, we'll keep an eye out for it. It's going to be 24 episodes. I feel like media companies really want
2: scripted audio or or fiction audio to be a thing Um, (laughs) because I I can see why, because it's cheap, but it kind of has the same should have the same crossover appeal that the, you know, television shows of the same nature do. Uh, but in my opinion, it's really just not. Like, <laughs> there's very, very few, uh, you know, scripted podcasts that have become popular. I mean, Welcome to Night vale is the only one I can think of. hmm
1: Yeah, there's been a couple. But I, again, I think that, I don't know. I just don't know that it's going to... I think they keep wanting it to take off, and it just doesn't have the legs to do that or, or the interest. And so... I don't know um we'll we'll see what happens with this one maybe it'll be really good we don't know i mean Um,
0: you say that i know that we we listened to a little bit of we're alive and then kind of weren't we weren't uh, captivated that much but they are continue they're still producing we're alive has been getting made for i don't know like a decade it feels like and i think they're even branching out
1: the thing i'm thinking of is you know in terms of not quite the same thing but like a lot of there's like a lot of doctor who audio plays and things like that and that's been going on for years and years and that has like a huge following but it's not quite the same thing but that's you know i'm guessing that they're trying to sort of tie into that and they sort of like tie that some of those stories and things into the to the actual show sometimes though not quite so i don't know we'll have to we'll have to see what happens with this one um but Um, I also want to point out that the things that we didn't include in this, but because I am just too terrified of it, um, there were, you know totally understandable. And I don't think anybody's shocked by this, but there's like a lot of articles coming out about, you know, fungi, cordyceps, whether it could happen. Um, And, you know, one of the things that Stuart and I were talking about is that prior to the pandemic, there were some, you know, articles about in this vein that kind of like quieted down. Um, There's a lot of that stuff out there, but quite frankly, it terrifies me too much. So I don't think we should go into it in any great detail.
2: Can I tell you my favorite thing? I, this is completely unfact checked and came from some random person on TikTok that I don't follow and have no okay. idea who they are. So take it with a huge grain of salt. But according to this person who claimed to be an expert, uh, cordyceps actually does not infect the brain. It infects like all the muscle and tissue and stuff that leaves the brain alone. Oh, God. That's so okay. in her opinion, the zombies in uh, The Last of Us should still be kind of sentient inside of their horrible mutated bodies. I don't think that can possibly be true because you kill them by destroying the brain. So mm-hmm. so if the fungi was like animating, you know, the arms and stuff, I don't think that would work very well. But it's a really horrible thought to contemplate.
0: Like they're running at you screaming like, no, don't make me do this. Or yeah, don't do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we're not going to be talking about Valley Fever. We're not going to be talking about uh, what, what was it? The... The hospital fungus and Candida all Candida auris. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, so anyway. scary. So scary. So scary. Um. So it's not that we don't know it's out there. It's just that I can't bear to to think about it. Really. <laughs> thank <laughs> so. you. No
0: thank you.
1: Um. So with that, I think we should get into this episode, which I'm really excited to talk with both of you about. I watched it a couple of times.
0: Me too. Yeah. Um, this one is uh. I- this one's called Long Long Time. Uh, it's directed by Peter Hoare, H-O-A-R, and written by Craig Mazin. Uh, and the two main stars, I think we can all, everybody knows about the Nick Offerman and, and Mario Bartlett at this point. Um, although, Bi- uh, Billy Joel. Joel and Ellie both get uh, an intro and an outro in this episode, too. And Anna you Torf know, comes back.
1: Woo-hoo! Yeah, uh, if it was Billy Joel, that would have been a totally different twist on this What a What a weird show <laughs> but yes. Um so I like let's I say let's hop in. Um and I do think with the with the intro, this is something that uh Stuart was teasing me about um uh, because I did indeed write in my notes because it basically opens up that it's like ten miles west of Boston and my immediate reaction was where is this 10 west 10 miles west of boston there's no such thing that looks like this 10 miles west yeah. um which is you, true, you and I-
0: everybody on twitter and boston.com like the yeah. Ma- boston's preeminent magazine we're like, uh, no, I, you know, right. So uh, there's uh, no like coniferous forests either. No, I feel in, like, in, in the mountain,
1: it was the mountain piece too that was sort of like, hmm, I don't know about that. But that said, I just, you know, I let that go. Apparently, some other people really made them. There, there was
0: some funny stuff on. I mean, from that Boston.com article, where they were they were pulling out tw- uh tweets from folks who would uh, taking a screen grab from uh, Fellowship of the Ring and on, you know, when they're walking through the mountains. Uh, mm-hmm. With the subtitle Framingham, Massachusetts, which is which is actually about <laughs> ten pretty good ten miles west of Boston, uh, which was funny. And then somebody else was like, "Well, it, it wouldn't have looked the only reason it didn't look like Boston because there wasn't a donkeys there, uh, and so they uh, photoshopped in a Dunkin' Donuts."
1: <laughs> nice. Um, but that said, if, all that aside, you know, we get them, we get Joel and um, and Ellie kind of now on their own. And dealing with a few things. Um, Joel is, you know, making one of those, what would you call those things? Spirit, cairn. stone, cairn things, yeah. which, by the way, I've never actually seen anybody do. So it, you just see them and you're like, oh, I wonder who made that. Um, so I, I was like, all right. So he's, he's, you know, doing his own weird Joel morning thing here. Um, and then Ellie just totally addresses this with him. And so I do feel like, this is a theme that we see both in the intro and the outro, um, where she's basically trying to engage with him and, and say, you know, it's not my fault that Tess died, and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he
0: just doesn't want to hear or or read the word yeah. Tess ever, ever again. I feel like this is this is pretty consistent with his character. Yeah. Like he he has as a self defense mechanism just shut down any sort of emotional response to loved ones. Right. It feels but like. Again, you
1: know. But the other thing I think that this does, you know, that sets them up going to the Cumberland Farms, which as a New Englander, I found really funny. Um, but so what's the joke? It just it's like Cumberland Farms is always, you know, kind of there and existing and don't know why it still exists as a. company. <laughs> but it's what, what
0: is Cumberland Farms? What is it? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's it so like,
1: um, I guess the equivalent it's like a like a Wawa, I guess, or like um what like a just like a gas station convenience store chain that's up in New England? Okay, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah. that makes some um, sense. It's so weird what production designers and and um, you know uh, filmmakers choose to care about. Like, they obviously were familiar enough with Boston to work in Cumberland Farms, which is not even a very you know well-known establishment. Because I I I have heard of well, I have not heard of Cumberland Farms. Um, But then they're just like, oh, well, let's just plop this right in. <laughs> in the middle of, like, the Alberta.
1: It's especially well known in New England and Massachusetts, I think. Um, I know, like, that's just always been, like, the thing that you would see growing up. So... You know, it is a thing, but it's a very, very regional thing. You're totally right, though, Kyle. It's kind of an odd thing. Well, but
2: but so they must have known that the setting was completely incongruous for it. Then, like some somebody on set, you know, or or yeah. Craig Mason or somebody knew knew enough to put Cumberland Farms in there, but then right. you know somehow didn't know enough to say, "Hey, this looks nothing like." western massachusetts well, I, mean, or, look, <laughs> I, think,
1: I think we have to give them a little bit of grace because possibly they were going to do something a little different but because of covid and everything they were they had to do all the shooting up in canada
0: but they so couldn't they even like well they had to or they couldn't like find i don't know like I, it would i felt like it wouldn't have been so difficult to send to do pedro, a shot pedro pascal right? and a B, B team to yeah, to anywhere It doesn't even have to. It could be Ohio. It could be Michigan.
2: It could, it could be. It could be Montreal. Like you could go just over to the parts of Canada that are close to this.
0: Yeah, but with a with a deciduous forest and a burbling brook with a lot of foliage and uh, maybe some leaves turning because it looks like fall. It feels like cold weather. Um, I don't know. Like yeah, it, it, it does. It does feel a little bit like they're sticking a finger in the eye of of the Northeast by saying. 10 miles west of Boston. And at the end of the day, this episode blows everything about that nitpick out of the water. It's just that that was like the intro, right? Uh so it was it's tough for some folks to be like, "Wait, huh?" And Stephen King got a lot of uh, got a lot of guff for saying that on Twitter cuz they were like, "That's your takeaway." He's like, look, I'm a New England, I'm a famous New England author. I'm sorry. This is like I have to do this.
1: Right. <laughs> it, was, it didn't shock me that he did it. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a thing you do. New Englanders are very cantankerous people.
0: There's some there's some dialogue that happens in the woods right after he makes his cairn and is washing off his broken, bloodied fist.
1: Mm. Um
0: where She she Not only does she try to talk about Tess, but she also says, oh, I've never been in the woods before, more bugs than I would have thought. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's video game watch. So I'm going to point out that that's a line from the video game after they get out of Boston. They're in this much more idyllic looking, sunny, butterfly strewn sort of scene before they right before they get into Bill's town. And she says that same line, um, which it doesn't really vibe as well in this scene because it's like kind of dark and cold looking. Inside Cumberland Farms, um, Joel is looking for this box. Ellie is kind of funnily making fun of him for not knowing where it is anymore. And he's like, I'm I'm zeroing in on it, which I thought was funny.
1: She's um, like, I mean, th- this is nice, though, because you get like a bit. We've gotten this before, but they start, you know, she's she's poking fun at him, but he doesn't take it too seriously. So I think that they're building up that rapport between them um, and they and that continues in the outro as well. Her um,
0: annoying him is a is a real element of their relationship, especially right. in the game, too. In this gas station, she also sees Mortal Kombat, a video game and mm-hmm. runs up to it and says, oh, this I love or something. Like I have a friend who loves knows everything about this game and then describes one of the characters from the game and and a a final move that they have. This is also straight out of the game. Um, It's while they're exploring, well, while I was exploring Bill's town, there is a restaurant or something with a console that she runs up to and says something. I think the game in that was more generic than Mortal Kombat, but the, the line is very similar. Um, so those were, as far as I know, the only two things out of out of the game in this.
2: Episode. Yeah, we're we're about to completely depart from the game, so they wanted to work the last couple of days right. in here. Yeah,
1: right. And I'll also say though that you know their decisions when they do depart from the game, and and especially in this case, I think were was very successful and the right decision to make. Um, I think it makes it a very different series and a better series. So. Oh yeah
0: there There was a lot of room to improve on Bill's storyline, even though it's similar, there are elements of similarity, rather, I shouldn't say it's similar. Bill is a character. Uh, and Frank is a character in the game. But the way that everything goes is completely different. So but also in a couple, couple in farms, we get a scene of Ellie kind of um stretching her muscles a little bit, doing some doing an activity. and, Kind of carling up a little, uh, going going after that walker stuck in the mud outside the farm in season two, except it's a clicker stuck in some rubble. What did you guys think of the scene? What was this trying to tell you about her character? So
1: I feel like this is playing upon a little bit of what we already knew about her, or at least some of what she shared with Tess, which is how she got bitten in the first place, which she takes risks. She goes off and does things on her own. She has no problem doing that. And um, at least in this case there, it shows definitely a little bit of a kind of a sadistic side to her, I think. Um, But also just sort of like, you know, if there was any question about whether she was whether, you know, I I think there's there's always been this thing like, oh, are you on the side of the fungus or not? And there's this, this curiosity and fear about her. Um, because she had been bitten and isn't taken over and things like that. Um, but I feel like this shows you a little bit of what she's like when nobody else is looking. So I thought that that was helpful in sort of informing that. What did you think, Kyle?
2: I think she's a little fascinated by the, um, infected too. Like she has this, you know, I don't know. It's something that she could have been, you know, if, if she wasn't just this genetic, you know, mutation or something hadn't, hadn't happened to her. That makes her able to fight it off. So she has this kind of deep seated um, in- interest in them. And and she, I think, really enjoyed the chance to get close to one and kind of see it up close and then, you know, slowly <laughs> uh, poke something into its brain and, and put it out of its misery. Um that's what I take away from it. The look on her face is just like complete fascination. Yeah, yeah, fascination, like, but also a
1: little bit of disgust too. So it's not. Um, mm. I don't think she wants to be this, or at least that's not what it feels like to me. But maybe I'm. Re- no, no, I don't think so
0: either. No, the the look on her face when she stabs it in the head is more like anger, but I think it's also just like I have I have power over this, and I'm I don't because when she first hears it, there's a it's a great reaction shot of Bella Ramsey like. Uh, inadvertently backing into the shelf that she's standing in front of i thought that was a great little flinch the the flinching in this show so far has been you know on point Mm -hmm. uh so she pulls herself back up uh joel is none the wiser that she's done this risky thing and she emerges with some feminine care products which i'm sure are probably really hard to come by in the apocalypse so good good find not sure it was worth the risk but um and then the uh the fishing tackle box that joel is is pulling out of that hole in the floor it looks like boxes you would find in the game that would have like gear and stuff in them i don't know kyle if that triggered anything in your head i mean this whole scene is very
2: reminiscent of um kind of the moments between the battles when you go around whatever area you're in and kind of scrounge around for stuff i mean in the in the game joel's making like these health packs and he's making molotov cocktails and he's strapping pocket knives onto things to make shivs and stuff like that so there's this crafting element that isn't here thankfully because i don't think it would work very well <laughs> uh, but definitely there's a, a loot system where you're kind of constantly um low on all of your supplies and so anytime you end up in a place like this you just start like going through all the you know, drawers and stuff like that and seeing what you could find.
0: I will say the crafting in the game is one of the more cinematic versions of crafting I've ever seen, where if you are upgrading your revolver to make it shoot faster, you like t- you take your revolver, you put it on a desk, you like do things to it, like you take out a tool and you do a you use a screwdriver on it uh, or you file off something on your shotgun to make it shoot faster or you actually add parts to it to uh, in- increase the capacity of the chain of the like how many rounds you can have in it it's to me it was like it's it's usually i'm trying to get through crafting as fast as possible but in the last of Mm -hmm. us i would say it's actually kind of fun to watch however like you said it's not really cinematic enough or enjoyable enough for tv necessarily or or realistic enough yeah uh, yeah maybe yeah
2: he he can't have seven molotov cocktails just in his pants (laughs) yeah and they just (laughs) light on fire
0: immediately as soon as he puts them in his hand. That would be a different kind of superpower. uh. But they leave Cumberland Farms behind and continue walking. You have the airplane shot. I don't remember if these are actually in the right order, but the shot of the airplane on the hillside, Mm -hmm. uh, which was another kind of interesting scene. This girl's 14. The last airplane crashed six years ago, uh, six years before that, we imagine, although there were helicopters in Boston. So it shouldn't. Right. There, it shouldn't be that insane to her that people were in the in the sky when that's actually still a thing in her time. Yeah,
1: life. but but not like as like not something that's accessible to most people.
0: Yeah. C- commercial air travel is not something that
2: she can just book a flight on. So uh, I, I get why she'd be faster Yeah,
1: So by. similar to the video game, it's something she's probably heard a lot about. And then she also is asking him how it all happened. And I thought that this was sort of a nice this is a good lead in and gives you a little bit more of the uh, what they're basing the mythology of this series on and the you know the the idea that you know she basically says how did everything just stop everything with people are flying around people are doing all this one day and then the next day everything is is crap um and he gives the whole flower Hypothesis with the the cordyceps in there and mutations and things like that, and he even specifically mentions pancake mix, which is you know. Something he's got I a got
0: thoughtful them. look on his face when he says that, right? Yep. Like he's like yep. pancake.
1: Uh, yes. and, uh just basically saying it got into the food supply and took a day to sort of hit, but then everybody had it, and that's where we were. And um, and I feel then like it was
0: a it was a dig on monoculture too, because he saw yep. he's talking about like it's the same damn things on every shelf around the world. Yep um so he's he's definitely taken a or the writers are taking a shot at um the ways that we can actually screw ourselves over with monoculture uh
1: and then the other part that's very dark in this because he's you know look he's very gruff he's very um you know like he likes to act as if he doesn't care that much but he clearly does but he does try to shield ellie from certain things and does in this case and she's like i don't I don't need to be shielded from this and come across basically what is essentially a graveyard. And the, the sort of um, the the truth comes out that um, people weren't, people were told that they were going to go into these basically safety camps, but there wasn't enough room for everybody. So they killed people. And Ellie is horrified, but also curious because you know, the the idea of this, especially given like in her world at this point, there are very few uninfected people, right? Like there are little sort of islands and things like that. Um, and he's like, but yeah, well, these are less people that were going to be infected and running around and threats, basically. Yeah, Dead um, people so can't
0: spread infection. That is a line that comes up later in the game too. Yeah. Um, but just not in this. I've, I'm noticing that more too, as I'm playing the game more, they've taken stuff that happens later and inserted it in earlier, which is, you know, cool. If, if it makes more sense to do it that way. Like the hotel dialogue when they were in the flooded hotel lobby is actually like probably an episode four you know or that's where it would have shown up if if the if we've been doing things completely chronologically and the uh dead people can't spread infection is another one of those sort of lines that that
1: gets and and i have to say just the direction of this episode and the storytelling of this episode and where they take this and they segue from you know the pattern of the woman's dress and the kid's blanket and segue that into the flashback to then get into Frank and Bill's story. I thought that was very well done.
0: That was, yeah, like, uh, bizarre. Like, you're looking at the skeletons of this woman and her baby, and then you're looking at them. Like, that was pretty affecting. Right. I, can, I, can I tell you, it actually,
2: like, gave me a moment of, like, anger because not knowing where this show was going, when they flashed back to that woman and her baby, I was like, God damn it, are they going to make me watch this baby die? Like, I get it like I understand what happened I don't have to follow these people and watch them get shot by some militia on the side of the road like and and I I got like a moment of like anger that basically they were going to take this like kind of lazy way out but then they completely subverted my expectation and then just panned away from them and left it you know in in yeah you know in your imagination the actual road of, of how they got to that place so uh they they sidestepped it very closely i think uh um you know uh a weaker show or a show that that wasn't quite so clever about this would have been like oh let's just like tell this story really quick before we get into bill's thing and it's like we don't need it we know how it ends already right um so i i really thought they were gonna make us watch that woman and her baby die
1: which is exactly why i mentioned it because kyle you and i had the same exact reaction because i said really you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna do this because this is just not i don't need to see this and
2: yeah <laughs> and they didn't do
1: that and i was like wow well done team <laughs> and i was really impressed <laughs> with how they just used it as a way to enter into the story of bill um yes i think they I did knew- this
0: a few times in this episode i think it's not like an un and i i had also the same response i was not wanting to see how that went uh and and it's it is a relief when you end up in bill's basement uh and get introduced to him in uh profile and, and silhouette uh and he gets to deliver his first line which according to craig was actually written as like a thought bubble in the, t- right, in and, the script. And
1: Offerman was like, I'm going to say this. <laughs> By the way,
0: <laughs> I need to say this out loud. Yeah.
1: And so you know what? Like, he was right. Cause it was an amazing line. Yeah, so. it's a good
0: line. And that's the kind of thing that Craig is writing in the script is like, here's your motivation actor. Like that's a very good, <laughs> that's a nice little piece of text to to put into their heads uh, or out of their mouths as Nick Offerman uh, took over. Um so I don't know how anybody was going to find that secret bunker under his basement. Cause um, when he comes out of there, it's, it's a, it's a cool little cabinet staircase deal. Mm-hmm. i liked it. Uh, we, we then sort of get into a, uh, the section of the episode where we get to meet Bill, who is uh, clearly just a prepper, although he likes to call himself a survivalist and, mm-hmm. And we have a couple of musical montages here.
1: Right. And this is his version of the 28 Days Later grocery store scene. The happy... Oh, yeah. Like, Except that it's...
0: What, what, what d- differs from that is that that's like 28 Days Later, at least, to like maybe 30 days into the apocalypse. And this guy is doing this as fast as he can, like even right. to the point where the power goes out when he's in Home Depot. And he's like, okay, yeah, that was fast. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to the, the natural gas plant. I love the... Um, the fact that he was like on a mission to get, he knew what he wanted to do and he knew he had to do it and he did it to Fleetwood Mac.
1: Yep. And I have, again, the soundtrack to this show is awesome. So this one,
0: yeah, they they spent, I mean, the Linda Ronstadt probably did not cost a lot of money considering it was kind of like an unknown, not an unknown song, but lesser known than, um, than the Depeche Mode or the other stuff that they've been playing, but Cream, The White Mm -hmm. Room and, um, I forget what the the the, uh, the Fleetwood Mac song was called, but um,
1: uh, I'm coming home to stay.
0: Yeah, just you got to imagine that they spent a fair amount on this one,
1: right? So, um, but I like you get to know so much about Bill in this in this little montage scene, and some of it is very joyful. Some of it is like both joyful, but also showing the level of his paranoia and also loneliness. Um, so he's doing all this stuff and you definitely have to ask yourself why to some extent, but, um, he's really just taking, taking this, uh, world. There is no, at least from what he is showing us in this montage, there's no sadness. Like he seems pretty. Yeah. Happy that the the circumstances are what they are. He's got this whole town to himself. He's got all these resources. I'd he, say
0: he's getting joy out of like cooking himself nice meals and drinking good wine and watching zombies get blown up by his traps. Like yep. those are his joy sources. Yep. And it's he doesn't feel I would say he doesn't feel lonely really until he meets Frank. Right.
1: Um, or maybe he does and he doesn't know it. So yeah. maybe I that's guess a, that's that's what of a I mean. So um so in any case just sort of the lead-in to him meeting frank i think is really excellent and just sets the table for who he is before frank enters and um i you know frank is played by murray bartlett um who is also an excellent actor though i have to say i don't know that i had seen him in anything else like because i have not watched um I have White. not seen White Lotus yet, which I think he is a main main cast member in that, right?
2: That, that's what introduced him to me. So I, I don't think he's been in too much else, but he it, that we would have seen stateside, and but he is amazing in White Lotus.
0: And he's now of household name. It, yeah. Like with two shows, he has, uh, and he's like I don't know fifty or something. The now he's now he's in like him and Offerman were both on uh, late night talk shows this past week.
1: Um, But I really loved how the story totally played out, and it plays out in a way that makes total sense to me. Um, Bill is incredibly paranoid, but possibly a little lonely, so he keeps sort of, like, allowing um, Frank to, to, you know, to have certain things. And there's a bit of, like... Um, I think that he enjoys showing uh, Frank all the things that he has like these luxuries that he has and things like that so um, there I one of the I thought one of like a cool little moment was when Frank is taking a shower and um, Bill Bill is just like okay I'm leaving you clothes and, and Frank is like oh gosh can I just have five more minutes so there's a little bit of like I think that Bill enjoys the fact that somebody is appreciating all this stuff that he's put together too. Um, obviously of course, um, after he's tested him for the fungus and and cordyceps and all that. Um, but his general reaction is okay. Um, it's a little bit dread pirate Roberts. It's like, all right, you can come and do this, but then you have to leave and you can do this and then you have to leave. And that's sort of his theme. Um, you know, uh, you know maybe i'll kill you in the morning kind of a thing um but keeps keeps allowing him to stay and and you know kind of and he's like not even just allowing him to stay he's making him like gourmet meal and all that kind of thing so
2: just to make a little bit of a broader point before we kind of launch into their romance because the romance is what really uh is the core of this episode and it's also kind of a huge deviation we've talked a lot in the first two episodes of the series about how close it is to the game and this is just a complete deviation in every single way yep um the last of us is making this video game adaptation to television look so easy that I think it's like important to remember that it's actually really hard and it fails much more frequently than it succeeds <laughs> yep. um especially for um you know uh I don't know if I can get uh, fanatics geeks nerds whatever your nomenclature is like there have been a lot of disappointments especially in the last 10 or so years as all these companies have had to find you know streaming shows and been on this furious search for for properties to adapt um so i i I, at some point i was thinking about this and i just kind of sat there and listed out all of the disappointing adaptations i could remember (laughs) From from the last couple of years, I came up with a list of thirty.
1: Wow, uh, I'm not going to yeah. read
2: them all, but like, there's a lot of these out there that you know that uh, if you're a big fan of um, The Witcher or Percy Jackson or uh, Halo, or there's you know you can just go on and on and on about all of these things that have been adapted super poorly. Whoa, whoa, and The so Witcher
1: you... though? I don't know that The Witcher should be on that list.
0: Maybe uh, if you maybe if if you blood visit
2: oranges, but. If you visit the subreddit for The Witcher, you will find a fandom completely betrayed by the by those theories. Um, I, I, and and I'm, I'm kind of on both sides. I enjoyed the show fine. I think a lot of people enjoy the show. But for people who like The Witcher, uh, especially the novels, but also the video games, um, they loathe the netflix show so i think that one thing that the last of us folks did really well here is they they got even before they got better if if that makes sense they spent the first two episodes basically saying hey calm down we get it we know why you liked this we you know we're gonna do some stuff literally just exactly the same we're gonna make you feel very comfortable we are in good hands We've got the guy here who did the who did the game where we've got this. And then in episode three, after everyone's kind of settled down a little bit and understood, okay, like, there's at least going to be some stuff here that's pretty good. That's when they're like, okay, here, we're going to do a whole episode that only has like two zombies in it and is mostly just a, a gay romance. Like, <laughs> um, I think it was a very a very well-designed little bait and switch when they decided to to deviate from the game. Because if they came out of the gate and just started changing things left, right, and center, you know, right off the bat, um, I, I think there would have been a lot of, um, you know, kind of unsettled feeling from people who are really truly fans of the, of the game heading into this.
0: Episode. When you say fan, so, I'm hearing toxic fan, though, uh, based on it, the the Reddit thing. Like, we AJ and I last year, in the, or in the last 12 months, reviewed... Um, The Resident Evil show that was on Netflix, which for all intents and purposes was a decent show, but got consistent one star reviews from its quote unquote fans because they race changed some characters and they set some stuff in the future and they did. They mixed it all around. This is a franchise that has been done and done and done right like you've seen every episode or every movie of this uh, this video game that's been adapted, and they're not all great. Um, And this show was not a faithful adaptation, but it was something more like it left room for evolution. I, I don't disagree that they've done this in a way that will like defang some of that toxicity. But part of me doesn't want to cater to it because it's bullshit.
1: Uh, And I also need to throw in here, there actually has been a lot of negative reaction, which is a very homophobic reaction to this particular episode. Um, which, you know, people have called it out and said what it is and that toxicity, I think, um, we have seen for other shows, uh, based upon race, sexuality, other things where people just go and they try to give it one or no star reviews, um, because it's, they're trying to kind of like scan, like scheme the, the, um, the sort of Rotten Tomatoes ratings and things like that. And for shows that are actually really amazingly well done and absolutely don't deserve it. So, you know, I don't, I I definitely agree. I don't think it should be catered to. Um, and I also think that there has to be some, um, leeway and understanding that yeah it's an adaptation so you're going to have to make certain changes and you're going to have to do and the creators want to do some things to make it a little bit more like a, a more complex and richer story so I don't know
2: I I, I, I just kind of want to jump in here because I, I, I definitely agree that there is kind of a trollish you know group of people out there who are still review bombing this show and all that kind of stuff but that's not exactly what I was talking about Um, I wasn't saying that, you know, if they hadn't made fans of the show feel so comfortable for the first two episodes that they would have reacted in a homophobic or a, you know, uh, a negative way because of the subject matter. I was more saying that um, they, they got the fans of the source material on board before making the big deviations, which I think is a smart strategy. And so I think that actually by and large, the, uh, fandom for this video game, which you might expect to be an extremely toxic group of people has actually been very much enthused by this episode and by the changes that they've made to to Bill and Frank's storyline. That,
0: that I is, also... that's a good point, Kyle. And I, I will also say that this game was already LGBTQ friendly, right? Like there are well-known yes. gay. I mean, Bill and Frank, it's hinted at, it's not like explicit, were partner like refer bill refers to frank as his partner a lot and someone he looked out for someone he cared about i think even this is like as far as it goes there's certainly no like i love you let's get married um but, right and but- i
1: wasn't i i also wasn't trying to suggest that the fan base is because i do know that this this game is lgbtq friendly i just think you know there is this tendency unfortunately um where sometimes people are putting the doing the review bombing and sort of pretending to be fans do you know what i mean so um uh, mm-hmm. so anyway sorry to i, I didn't mean to to imply kyle <laughs> that-
2: no no I, I, my my main point is just that it, it's actually it, it, the quality of the source material has zero effect on the quality of the adaptation mm-hmm. and so um it it is very very easy to picture this going horribly wrong and being a big disappointment and so far Not only is it not a big disappointment, it's actually kind of gaining, um, you know, uh, uh, kind of fans and kind of a popular culture momentum as it rolls along. And and I think that's really it's pretty remarkable considering how many of these we've just seen fall on their face. I also
1: think the appeal, I I, I mean, I think part of it and the way that this episode was done specifically is that I think this as a standalone episode, you could watch this episode without – it's almost like a mini movie. Um, And when I actually wanted uh, my husband to watch it, which he has not yet because, you know, it's heartbreaking and whatever – and he was like, "Well, what you know? Why is it so heartbreaking? And what you know? And can I watch it without watching the rest of this thing?" And I'm like, "No, you probably can. I mean, some of the context will be a little lost on you, at least from the the get, you know, for the intro and the outro. But you could watch this as almost like a standalone thing. And it reminds it like what I described it as was sort of the initial montage to Up, where you learn all these things and you see this whole little like big story, but in this very small amount of time." Um, and I think that when you do something like this, it has, you know, appeal to the masses as well as to the, the people that are fans of the, the game, because it gives them something a little bit more rich and, and newer. So it can be enjoyed by everybody. Um, but this is, I mean, it would not shock me if, if, um, 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 these if these two actors end up being put up for for some awards and things like that i i personally think it's that good i know it's gotten a couple of negative things that people said it was very like kind of like trite and whatever i don't know uh i the reviewer of vulture was pretty negative which i was like i don't know if you were watching the same thing i was watching um but it's got to be
0: somebody you know
1: yeah always somebody but anyway i just think that um, this is definitely what you want to see for this kind of a show. And it takes it in an entirely different and cooler direction, but still being dedicated to like the overall story, I guess.
0: So, Rotten Tomatoes, it was like, I don't know, 99.99, I think, episode one. Now it's 97.92. Uh, audience score is 92 out of 7,100 plus reviews. So, I'd say, yeah, like it has a mainstream appeal that is going mm-hmm. to drown out the trolls at this point which is great and well and in this episode landed like a like a
2: like a bomb as far as like oh yeah like it, it was it exploded in terms of popularity from what i can tell in in online circles mm-hmm. like last of us went from a show that like people were watching to like a show that it felt like everybody was talking about in that kind of water coolery way but what yeah, else and- is
0: it up against like there's not a lot of other content out there well, that's true. <laughs> in January. In January. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, so, okay. So you two know a lot more about the game than I do. And I knew a minimal amount about these two characters. And I really thought what we were going into, uh, like I did not expect this at all. Um, just what happened in, <laughs> I did not expect this episode to go the way it did. Um, I thought it was definitely going to be more of a Joel and, and Ellie getting help from Bill kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, And then when the story kept unfolding with Bill and Bill and Frank, um, I was just shocked and I kept being like, oh, wow, they're really they're really taking this in a very different place than I thought it would. Um, And I and it was a pleasant surprise. Um, So I just was. It it hit me very hard, so hard that I was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to actually watch this again um, because I was a little bit it, like it was a really to me, it was a very moving and wonderful episode. So, you know, I don't. Did you two have expectations knowing what you knew about the characters? Did you expect this or had you been spoiled by it before you saw it?
0: Luckily, when when things went the way they went, I was not surprised, but I was thrown a twist. And this is a little bit later in the episode. But um, after the night with the Raiders, I kind of thought we were going into a dream sequence for the last third of their story. Uh, and so and I, I kind of feel like the writers were trying to do that because because when when Joel and uh, Ellie walk into the house, there's that portrait of, of Bill with the painted the smears of paint. And I was like, OK, no, it was not a dream sequence. Like that was my anchor point. But I kind of thought that everything from when Bill was on the dining room table bleeding until that scene, it could have been to me, a, it seemed, it seemed feasible that that was all a dream sequence. Uh, and that was mostly, that was not like an expectation from the game that I brought in. It was just like kind of following what I thought was the breadcrumbs that I have been given in a way. I don't know if you guys had that reaction or not.
2: I, I didn't, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't, uh, that didn't occur to me. Um, in terms of the games, I think Bill in the games is kind of a charming, but one note character. He's kind of just like Bill is at the beginning of this episode, the whole way through. Um, and so the entire evolution that he goes through, yeah, his his relationship with Frank is hinted at here and there, but I think it's really interesting that this episode is kind of caught fire in this way and has impacted people so strongly because the ground that it's going over, this kind of like love in the apocalypse or like, um, you know, human connection when everything has has gone down the tubes—it has actually been fairly well explored recently by other shows. Um, so, Aja, I don't know if you've seen these two, but uh, anybody who's listening—if you just really vibed with this episode and you want to feel more of these feelings—I um, would really recommend checking out uh, the HBO original series *The Leftovers* yep. and also um, the Max original. Not HBO, but Max's original series, Station Eleven, which both go through a very similar kind of vibe. And Station Eleven has, uh, at its core, a relationship that is so affecting and so powerful between two characters that um, it just rips your heart out over and over and over again. So, so if, you, I... if you vibed with those... that. Yeah. Oh yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say I agree with you, but I think that part of why this affected people in this way is that the payoff is very quick. And Mm the um the the way that they give you the the character building moments and the little the little small things between these two characters are so intense and well done. And I have to give credit to the two actors. Um I think that it is in part because of the chemistry between them and their incredible talent. Um, and, you know, there's specific scenes I could mention here. Um, there's so many, but even from the get go when Frank and Bill start interacting with each other um, just masterful in terms of how these actors go about their craft. Um, and I think that yeah. is part of it. Um, but I also think it's that people can recognize these these little moments and it's also not trying to make it um, it's not trying to put put this relationship through um, like any kind of idealistic lens Um, you know you don't have these rose colored uh, glasses on looking at it um, and even at the very end between these two Um, characters there is an acknowledgement that you know and I and I and I guess it's kind of like uh, to me it's just really um, a love letter to very long-standing relationships where things are not always good um, but you know you kind of work through those difficulties and in this you know sort of world of the apocalypse those little moments mean a lot Um, and so every single interaction between these two characters feels real And I think that that's why it hits so hard. And I, you know, um, there's from the first lunch that Bill makes for Frank, um, and there's this really great, um, you know, keep in mind... This is this is a luxury. These are things that people do not have at this point. Frank definitely has not seen it. And he even says, are you kidding me, basically? Like, where did you get this stuff? And it's not just this this beautiful meal, but also amazing wine and like these luxuries that are not like you cannot attain these at this point but yet Bill has them in spades and he kind of wants to show them off a little bit. Um, and then, you know, to the piano scene, which, you know, I think we can all agree is an incredibly poignant and like vulnerable scene between these characters. And I think that that's why, the, and, and you get this all in like basically an hour episode Um, and they're full, the full sort of like, Uh, spectrum of their relationship and it's really I don't know I just I thought this was just an impressive piece of work so hats off hats off Mazen and Druckmann and Hor and all of you so anyway what did you think Stuart
0: to go from like the getting to know you the sweet love making uh the first fight like (laughs) they go from love making to first fight really fast which I thought was um is a nice touch to, like, uh, exploring uh, strawberries, Raider's attack. Suddenly we're old, or it's a dream, but it's I know it wasn't a dream. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, suddenly we're old, and, and, like, not only are we old, but Frank has had this, like, c- crazy reversal in his health that yep. kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, sp- certainly when we've, like, jumped forward, I don't know, 15 years. It doesn't say, um, but it, it, it had to have been, like, 10 plus, just based on how much they've aged. I hear Murray Bartlett's partner was um, was affected by the aging of uh, of the makeup that that they put on Murray Bartlett for that for that part of the uh, episode. Um, So just like to move quickly through those those four or five different uh, time periods and scenes, I thought was part of the success, Uh, and then bringing in Joel and Ellie at the end, and seeing how he reacts. And
2: then, of course, you have Joel and Tess uh, in there as well, where we, where we get another glimpse of Tess as kind of Frank is working on expanding Bill's concept of what's possible in this time and, and how they can form connections with other people. And Torf a of looks so a good. Very,
1: yep
2: <laughs> it's like we're gonna have friends
0: <laughs> and Bill's just like what I and it's, like, it's like you've been talking to
1: who on the radio like very <laughs> funny.
0: does um one thing that doesn't make a huge amount of sense here was this supposed smuggling operation like bill doesn't talk to anybody like maybe frank had set up other smuggling points of contact but where are they getting these supposed smuggled goods Mm-hmm. You know, what does the code actually, really add up to if it's like new stuff is in in the 60s, if you're playing the 60s, but where are they getting new stuff, right? That's all.
2: I actually think that the um, the electricity didn't add up for me either.
0: No, and the gas,
2: that was fun. none there, of that. Not- there is no way you would be, first of all, generator is allowed. So like all of these scenes that they're showing of them like eating strawberries and stuff would have a generator in their background, like, yep. you know? um but then also just you know getting the gas to power i mean n- not just like you know some lights and stuff but an electric fence that can kill people I was just like this that is, is such like an, and a it's huge. on all
1: the time right and and it's on
2: all the time I was just like i I think they should have just ditched the electric fence and all that stuff and just had there be you know booby traps and other ways and have them keep cooking with a gas stove or a wood stove or something chopping some wood but I thought that it was pushing believability a little too far to have them have these lights on in their house all the time, 25 years after the apocalypse.
1: I thought the same. And I, I was actually waiting for them to put rig some sort of solar thing together. And I was sort of surprised they didn't do that. But um, the but video even game so-
0: equivalent of Bill's uh, compound is just like tripwires with explosives so much more, yeah. much more um, like gunpowder age style as opposed to this like Shangri-La that he has. But, you know, at the, on the plus side, they don't they just walk away from all this at the end of the episode. So, yeah.
1: Um, but no, I agree with you. I kept thinking this is an enormous amount of like, the resources, which was why I thought it was sort of funny when when Frank and Bill have this argument about using a little bit of gasoline for a lawnmower. And it's like, well how are you keeping all of this going, right? <laughs> like, if you're talking about waste of resources, this this whole setup makes a little less sense. But, you know, I think that it is what it is in terms of that. Like, I think we're yeah. supposed to suspend disbelief at now, and now they're on their way, and they don't have access back to that. But um, I also thought that um, the... The scenes with Joel and and Joel processing both the the scene between him and Bill and their sort of understanding um, not like they really they definitely don't trust each other or like each other but there's a realism between them between them I think that is really interesting and um, kind of funny that Bill addresses the last his last letter to Joel of all people um so i liked i thought that that was good and certainly takes us to sort of a next step between joel and ellie given that ellie's the one reading the letter um so i thought that that was kind of a cool thing
0: yeah what a gut punch for joel too though yep to to read that letter um go ahead Kyle. oh it just
2: comes back to like what the point of the episode is which is um it. this is a fairly common storytelling technique in in film and tv uh, i remember a book that i read uh, when I was in my doing my film degree, uh, called uh, Invisible Ink: A Key to Telling Stories That Work, which is a really good, just kind of like practical, hands-on way to put stories together. They talk about the use of clones, is what they call them, to um, basically you know illustrate uh, uh, paths not taken by the hero. So uh, the uh, classic one is is Frodo and Gollum. I mean, Frodo, it, it, Gollum is a, a A mirror image of frodo that shows what frodo could become if he succumbs to the power of the ring so that's his purpose in the story to be that cautionary tale um and it's the same here where where bill is essentially a proxy for joel and what he's the the lesson that he's supposed to impart is to kind of you know open your heart and and let love in because if you don't you know there's really nothing left for you here so that's That's the point of this whole story is to kind of show how that happened for him and to kind of impart that lesson to to Joel in as strong a fashion as he can through his letter at the end.
1: Right. But it's also pretty depressing for Joel because, you know, Joel's reason for being his daughter is gone. Tess is now Mm -hmm. gone, though we're still learning a little bit about that because he's very closed down about that. And I I know that the obvious thing for the audience and for everybody is that, okay, now it's going to be Ellie. And he kind of says to Ellie, well, we're going to this is the plan and we're going to go and do this. Um, So I do think that there is some, you know, like because. it, Like if you look at Bill's actions now that his person of protection is gone, he's gone too. And so what is Joel supposed to do with that? And I think that that, you know, the we know that he is now like basically protecting Ellie, but it's, it's you know, he has failed in a lot of ways here in terms of that particular role, right? So he that cannot feel very good. And I think it will inform what we see of him down the line. And it informs what this character is and what they do.
0: It's interesting to me, too, the contrast between how Joel is acting toward Ellie in the show versus in the game. And it's it. I would say the game is not always consistent. But um, the, the way that Joel speaks to Ellie when she tries to talk about Tess, he shuts her down. He does open up about like the origins of the pandemic, which is you know, like kind of showing at least a little bit of interest in her. Uh, then he like recites the rules to her at the end, which I'm told are from the game, but I don't recall where they where they come in. But in the game, Joel, she tries to apologize for Tess, and he just says to her kind of softly and, and warmly, Tess, you don't have to worry about me. Um, which is like, not you know, 180 degrees from how Joel is reacting on the mm-hmm. show. Uh, but later on in the game, Joel is kind of gruff with her again. So it does kind of have like a weird, uh, you know... Pendulum sort of parabolic swing going on, uh, but I, I I'm finding it interesting that Pedro Pascal it feel it feels like there's more consistency so far with him being kind of like gruff almost all the time, uh, and but showing signs at least of of chilling. Uh, he like you know him asking to see the bite one more time is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Like he's seen it a bunch of times already, but he's he has to see it again before he kind of like agrees or makes these. Uh, makes her agree to these promises that what you say goes
1: right and then i mean i also think you know they're both very independent in doing their own thing even though they are going to be embarking on this adventure together but like the whole her keep keeping asking for the gun her saying hey there's a whole room of them and and everybody yeah. is still like no don't do that and you know indre- you know the gun that she eventually finds and hides is bill's gun and it's the gun Frank's i'm assuming. Gun. Oh, sorry. Was that Frank's gun?
0: Yes. Yeah, one he pulls out of that uh, desk when the Raiders attack.
1: Oh, sorry. I, I, I was thinking it was the one that Bill had when he was threatening him across the table. But OK, so it's Frank's gun you know so despite the fact that she's saying that she'll follow the rules there is a tug of war between these two characters and um she very much she absolutely knows he does not want her to have a weapon like that um and is just doing this and and you know i don't i, I don't necessarily blame her but but she, the way she even hides it very suspicious like i think i would be suspicious of her when he walks into the room and she's like oh nothing to see here basically <laughs> um but you know i i think that this sets again it sets up for some things i think we're going to see down the line between these two um you know they they are more similar than they are different in terms of characterization um i also really liked um the whole her fascination with the car similar to the video game because she's never been in one before so that was kind of fun yeah um, i'm assuming is that a car that appears in the game
0: That's. Very close to the model of the truck that's in the game. Yeah, there's a scene of her as they're driving away from Bill's town, Lincoln. I guess is what it's called. Uh, she's yep. she's pulled a, um a porno mag from his stash in his house with dudes on the cover, and she's talking about <laughs> how the pages are stuck together. That that <laughs> I don't think is going to make it into the show.
1: <laughs> uh, well, also I should mention Lincoln, Mass is like. Um... It's a really pretty town. It has like the uh, Cordova Art and Sculpture Museum and things like that. But again, since they're filming in Canada, I doubt they could do that. So they just have these little like signs and sort of quasi New Englandy feel to this town.
0: Yeah. White picket Um, fences is about as far as they got. Yeah. Um, So other things to talk about here are in the game. I've said that there is a bill. There is a Frank and Bill, as you've talked about, Kyle is a curmudgeon and he is like he is only one way. In the game, uh, a spoiler alert, if you haven't played the game and you give a damn about the plot, you uh, you're running through this town trying to find a car battery, which is kind of funny when you consider the show pilot,
2: mm-hmm. you're trying to
0: find this truck battery uh, and you run into a house at one point and there's a guy hanging from the ceiling and mm-hmm. um, Bill is with you and he's like, oh, like he has a reaction. And then you learn that that's Frank. He was the only guy who would wear that shirt. And you find a note from Frank if you look around in the house and the note from Frank basically says. I I'm so sick of you and you're stuck in your ways, ways, and I decided to get out of here. But you know, um, I guess you were right about one thing. Trying to leave here is gonna kill me because he, he'd gotten bitten. Yeah. Uh, but like it's it's actually like feeds into how they've changed the story of Bill. The Bill in this in this show has had an arc and he has changed his ways. He has he's like, you know, grown to meet Frank somewhere in the middle. Whereas the Bill in the game just stayed the same kind of dick he always was uh and and it had a much more tragic ending even though Bill survives the the sequence with Joel and Ellie in the game they drop him off at his house and he's like get the hell out of here I hate you mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, he's literally just always a dick that that's it. that's it is interesting to me though how many people have
2: described this episode as <clears throat> some combination of like tragic or sad or gut-wrenching because um, in a lot of ways it's actually very triumphant i mean i agree they these two people found each other in this impossible world and built a life together and lived together for many years and grew old together and then went out on their own terms in a world where nobody gets to do that i mean the the tragedy of the beginning of up is that you know carl survives like he he (laughs) has to
1: continue (laughs) Um, um
2: yeah and he has to find a way to soldier on um and and mm-hmm. here we don't we don't get that and i think it's really important because uh, for a couple of reasons first of all because we don't have very many even still today um you know happy endings for for gay romances mm-hmm. that we just don't like there's not very many examples of that in in pop culture um and then secondly i think that this is <laughs> In some ways, this is like a lesson that I don't think The Walking Dead ever learned, which is that uh, the, uh, you know, story can serve a sharper contrast to the struggles of the main characters than a sad one. So like, you know, I stopped watching The Walking Dead at some point, but at every single place that they came, you just were like, okay, well, how is this going to, you know, How is this going to end tragically this time? Like, how is everybody going to die this time? They just always had this note that they went back to of like, everything's going to go wrong. People are going to be revealed to be these horrible animals and our heroes are going to have to flee. And so this is a keener contrast to the world that Joel is living in to see Frank and Bill live this happy life together, comfortable life together, and, and really build this thing um right. know, on their own terms. And
1: so. you know, I think even you see these little hints with um and you're right, like the the trope with, with gay romances and characters is that they tend to end tragically and early, um, at least for one part of the couple and then the other one has to soldier on or whatever it might be. And in this case, there's this one line that Frank says uh, to Bill because Bill sort of is. This is before, so the more dramatic things happen to Frank, where he has this neurodegenerative thing happening, and um, he says something. Like, Bill is like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm aging faster than you," and Frank is like, "Well, we're getting old. That means we're still living and surviving." And so I think that that is definitely a tip of the hat to that specific um thing about theme about gay characters that often happen and then the other one is at the very end of their sort of story or close to the end of their storyline um and you know bill who has been probably you know he's had so many challenges he he you know before he met frank he'd never really clearly had never been um with um a male partner before and talks about that and there's um just a lot of longing and unrequited um feelings there and that he has to work through all these things but found frank and that helped him grow so much as a character and you know at at the end they are making the choice um you know despite the fact that a little bit of the choice is taken from them just because of frank's um condition um it's still a choice that they're making and It is triumphant, and so it's something very unusual to see, Um, and and in the middle of a zombie apocalypse where often the choice is like, oh, we have to take this person out because they got bitten and are infected and make that split decision, um, kind of akin to what Tess did in the last episode. So um, the fact that this is not what they have to live through and that they have a um, peaceful ending is just a very different theme than we've seen in a lot of other shows.
0: Well, we've talked about Fleetwood Mac and Cream. Did you guys want to talk at all about the Linda Ronstadt song that comes Um, back at the end?
1: Yeah, you know, something occurred to me while I was watching it, and I... Okay, this is just me being crazy, and I don't think that... um, Not crazy, but, like... um, I don't think that this was in the intention, and the person who sort of recommended to it is now getting a lot of play, I guess, on on social media. But... um, I thought this was supposed to give a bit of a like uh, foreshadowing to what was going to happen to one of the characters, but, um, and, and I was like, Oh wow, that's really kind of dark. Um, but you know, she has been suffering from a Parkinson like um, condition. And I was like, Oh gosh, is this why they picked this song? I think they just really picked it because it has all of those elements and it wasn't so well known and just has all the, all the feels in terms of like an unrequited um, kind of love story. It's also a great song, Um, but you know, like, like we've seen with many other, many other shows, it's now rocketed this song to like, everybody is like downloading this. Um, And I don't think that she gets any of the royalties for it. I think Gary white who wrote it is getting it, but, uh, um, but she even said, she's really happy for his success. (laughs) But I know, I know. Um, But it is an incredible song. And I mean, if you aren't a Linda Ronstadt fan, you should be because she's got some really amazing stuff out there. Um, but this specifically is a really good one. Um, it is interesting not-
0: to hear Craig Mazin on that, on the HBO podcast, talk about how he, he just, he was like having a hard time coming up with it. And so he calls or reaches out to his friend who's who works in Broadway. And it's just like, Hey man, I've got, here's the situation, like unrequited love, never going to have a lover. Very sad. What's the theme song for Bill and the guy shoots back with this song like right away within 20 seconds I think he said uh, so he just has a catalog of of sad songs maybe in his head uh, yeah and,
1: I, and the guy who um I'm trying to remember what the name of the person was but he uh, it's uh Seth Rudetsky uh, who recommended it and he has this whole um he's like a YouTube series and another thing and he did one I think this week where he breaks down why this is such a great song and it's kind of fun Mm-hmm. to watch it um and so i definitely think he he was really excited about this um so um d- certainly check it out um he tends to do a lot more broadway uh sort of reviews but this one this one i think he made an exception for
0: well uh, got to get on that zeitgeist mm-hmm. uh next time on this show it looks like we're going to be running into some people with ill intent uh as they start their road trip in this uh in this pickup truck trying to get to Wyoming still. They're still in Massachusetts. It's still a long long way <laughs> to get to Wyoming. Uh in the game, I believe the next stop is Pittsburgh. How far is it from uh H-A? Well, How long is the drive from out 10 miles west of Boston to Pittsburgh?
1: Uh I think it's probably at least 8 hours.
0: So they've they've been on the road um one of the things that Bill throws you in the game as you're driving away as a hose so that you can siphon gas out of cars. So I think on some level this game and this show they're they they have the same sort of lack of reality about how gas works cuz we know that if it's if it's sitting in a car for 20 years that ain't gas anymore. That's that has broken down into something else. Well um, maybe
1: I don't know, maybe Bill had like an extra special supply. Maybe he has a gas refinery. Yeah. Place.
2: Yeah, a refinery. I don't know. Boy, HA, oh, you were right on eight hours, twenty-five minutes from Boston to Pittsburgh. I've been living out west too long because in my mind I was like, that's gotta be at least twenty four hours that's drive.
1: Seven like- days. <laughs> I'll admit
2: nowhere close to each other.
1: I will admit that I had a little bit of like uh we you know, I went to see Falling Water at some point, the um oh, yeah. house. And so I had an, a sense of what the drive from New York was. So I'll admit I was I cheated a little bit, at least on that. But I was estimating. I'm pretty happy, though. With so my- but we'll,
0: <laughs> we'll see if we get all the way to Pennsylvania um, tonight when the episode airs. I don't know if you guys watch it when it comes out. Kyle, you're going to be on a beach somewhere, so... <laughs> but you know
2: while, while i'm recovering from my tanning, i'll i'll find a time to squeeze it in.
1: oh and kyle i will say i don't know if you can get them on the island you are on but on the big island there is the um this amazing like macadamia shortbread cookie company um mm. and those cookies are phenomenal i think it's like big island candies or something is the name of the company so you should try to check them out. I would imagine you can get them where you are too. <laughs> so
2: I will keep my eyes peeled. They're that like awesome. they're
1: like chocolate dipped shortbread cookies. Just amazing.
0: Um, well, we'll leave Kyle with that quest, uh, and <laughs> and we will try to uh, re rejoin next week or next time we can get together to talk about the Last of Us. So I hope that everybody listening along enjoyed it. Let me know what you think of the episode of uh, of the show so far. You can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com and you can check out all of our episodes online at reanimatedpodcast. Nope, reanimated.podbean.com. And you can also give us a tweet uh, at reanimatedpcast. Any final parting thoughts from H.A. Conrad or Kyle Diaz?
1: Uh, no, I just think this was definitely one of my favorite episodes that I've watched in a long time of anything, so... Really, really can't recommend it enough. So I would love to hear what people think about it.
2: Just Nick Offerman, that's all. Yeah, I
1: know. Just he's astonishing. It's amazing. It's <laughs> he's amazing. He's, amazing. Um, yeah. he's, he's so on
0: I feel- tour. I think he's on tour right now too. So you might be able to catch his, I think he does music and comedy. Um, he's got like five or six locations. Uh, so yeah, cool. Let's talk again soon. And uh, for me, I'm going to say peace out. And ciao. See you. Aloha.
1: Uh, oh, <laughs> that's
2: <laughs>